Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Today, Jack and Earl are starstruck. It's the second episode of Star Trek Prodigy's prodigious first season. Do you like starting your recording before you're ready to actually play? I do, I do. It's a fun thing I do. Oh, okay. So you don't mind removing the first half hour or, or whatever beginning of the recording? Uh, remove? Uh, I hope you're not going to put this in the show. Oh, I'm definitely going to put it in the show now. Damn it! That's like my GM, dude. I like, like, oh no, we're, this is going to be our... And he does it. And I'm like, no! Why? You know, it's more fun that way. It is? I, I mean, for, for not for you. No, it's not. Yeah. So today we're here to discuss the second episode of Star Trek Prodigy. It's called Starstruck. Yes, it is. Greetings, everybody. I am Earl Grey. I'm Jack Dorino. Welcome to our podcast. Let's talk about treks. Let's do it, man. Oh, you were just saying the name of the show. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about treks. We're going to talk about Star Trek. Let's Prodigy. talk about Starstruck. How's that? Yes. Is it okay. close, close enough? CBS Studios, a Nickelodeon production. Yeah, it's always fun to see. I think it's a little fun for me to see Nickelodeon at the beginning. It's kind of neat. I'm kind of <laughs> glad that, uh, that Star Trek and Nickelodeon have joined forces. It's kind of cool. I dig it. So the thing that I noticed about the opening credits. Yes, please do this, tell me. That Skull Island on that planet. That'll be interesting to see if they ever get to that. But So um, what you're actually seeing here in this episode is the prodigy <laughs> flying past the crew members. Um, yeah. We first see the Bricar. I don't know. I can't remember her name. Uh-huh. Although we know. have determined that it is a female. I'll, we'll get to that later. So we fly oh, past okay. the Bricar. Then uh, yeah. we fly past Zero. Yeah. Some bubbles. <laughs> yep. And we fly across like Gwyn's face. <laughs> and then we fly past Dreadnought's face. For yeah, the the, the Terminator 2 yeah. face. Mm-hmm. And then we see Hologram Janeway. Okay. So notably missing is Jenkin Pog and Murph. Maybe that's what the goo is. The bubbles. Oh fair it's enough. Earth. It could be, yeah, it could be. Okay, fair enough. Earl I like it. Fix the thing. I just noticed that. So as we're coming out of the space scene and the titles coming into place, we have red on the le- like a red nebula on the left, a mustard one in the in the middle, and like a blue one on the right. So we have all the Starfleet oh, colors wow. in as nebulae. Isn't that oh, neat? Cool. What I don't get is why they decorate and make the credits look pretty if the first thing they do is go to the splash screen. And they know that kids aren't going to watch credits. Kids don't like credits. But oh, dude, but these credits are great. Yeah, they are. I'm glad at the end of last episode that they showed us the whole thing without any words on it. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then now we get to see it as credits. But by the time I can scroll on, on Roku, you have to scroll over, hit the, the little rectangle that is the, the screen to re-enlarge it. And by the time I can get that, and then hit pause, they've already gone past like all of the end credit titles of the cast. And I want to read them. And I can Oh sure. The first credit is and Kate Mulgrew as Captain Janeway. Yeah, I've had to bring bring my little window back to see the credits as well. Yeah. 
Uh, so I find that frustrating. So a uh, small bit of trivia, if you're interested. I like trivia. D. Bradley Baker joins the ranks of actors that have played in both Star Trek and Star Wars. Ah, he does indeed. Uh, he does he indeed. was the voice of the clones in uh, the Clone Wars cartoon, as well as multiple other voices. He also seems to be the new... Uh, uh, who does the voice of Scooby-Doo? Is that Frank Walker? No, it's not. Casey Kasem? No, that's the voice of uh, Shaggy. Oh, fair enough. There's a cartoon voice that is very famous for doing a whole bunch of animal voices. If they need an animal done, they hire this dude. Especially back in the 80s and 90s. So now now it's it's Dee Bradley. Who care? Yeah, Dee Bradley does almost as good as that guy did. So um, he's good. Yeah. Cool. I want to also point out the point in the credits where they're it, they're like demonstrating breaking the light barrier, which is kind of reminiscent of what it actually looks like when you break the sound barrier. Okay. It looks like it could be the inspiration for the design of the Starfleet Delta. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, this ship kind of gives an aspect of a Starfleet Delta for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat that we've had the Delta this whole time and it has never been the shape of the ship until what? Voyager? Oh yeah, the actual shape of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. But I was actually talking about like um, the light waves that are being compressed, compressed as you reach warp one, and then uh-huh. finally you breach through. And the would there be a light boom? Light I some sort of couldn't even tell you. Like a burst of light, light when you go into light. I mean, I think that's what we yeah, see like a, when the ships go to, like when the, you know, the Enterprise D went to warp during the credits and then it, psh, there was yeah. a warp flash. I would imagine yeah, yeah. that's a Q flash. The warp flash. Yeah. Yeah. The Q flash and the warp flash are kind of the same thing. Also, there's a bunch of little tiny Q warp flashes inside of replicators every time they make something. So <laughs> only in the 24th century, though. This, yeah, in the, yeah, in yeah. the 22nd, we saw more of like a stitching together of things. Why isn't the Janeway hologram solid? Why do they reach in right through her? The EMH was always solid. Well, I believe that that was his choice, though. He had the choice to be completely solid or not, if I'm not mistaken. But they added that feature later on. I mean, as a doctor, he has to interact with his environment, so he has to be, he has to at least have the force fields that let him interact with other matter sure, solid. Sure, it would be nice to be able to reach inside someone and pull out some cancer. Let's walk through the episode. Sure. Okay. First thing that happens is we activate Janeway. Yeah. And then they insult her, right? (laughs) And then they lie to her. They don't lie to... They they just don't speak, and they let Dal lie to her. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm getting with, like, the Bacar's expressed guilt of, like, why did we lie to her? So I guess let's take yeah. this let's call this um collusion which is you know when you you kind of you see something happening that benefits you and you don't say anything like no stop even though it's illegal president luther yeah <clears throat> so and then so the next thing happens is that janeway shows us her federation powerpoint it looks like she spent hours and hours upon compiling these these uh these slides 
for her, sure, for her little PowerPoint did. presentation. <clears throat> yeah. We uh we have a big disagreement about which direction we're going. Uh, you know, it's Val mm -hmm. arguing with the hologram and everyone else in the crew because everyone seems to be aligned with what Jay May wants to do, which is go DF home. Mm -hmm. Stell's no, let's go this I don't know, this this weird red dot, which seems like you know, I don't know if a red dot would be the first thing I would choose to head toward. Well, it's I a bright, a shiny red dot. It's red, though. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's uh, true. Do not push, big we, shiny red dot. We don't have a we, well. We don't have a good history with red in uh, in Star Trek. First, there was the you know security <laughs> officers. Then there's that whole red yeah. matter debacle. Uh, yeah. You know, there's that uh, didn't happen. There's the red, uh, the the red dilithium. Is dilithium red now? Apparently, uh, I I orange. Yeah, I mean it used to be like purplish pink, like sort of lilac-y pink. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, back in the 1960s, and now it's uh, Discovery. <laughs> it seems to be a much stronger shade of red. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, so. Uh, Superman's uh, cousin then cusses out Zero telepathically. Which is... Superman's cousin? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, the lead star of this show, Dar, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dar from the, Dal from the House of L. That's the guy. So we, we just, as we're, so we're discussing the situation while we're looking for the brig, right? And then mm -hmm. uh, the, the Tellerite, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jenkin Pog. Jenkin Pog, you know, yeah. gives us a framing of the universe as he sees it. And then, you know, Dal gives us a framing a framework as he sees it and they're markedly different <laughs> remarkably different okay. like his dolls is very like you know selfish and you know we we have to look out for our for ourselves and this is ours and yada yada and pog's like let's do the old discovering and doing the brave new brave new world no it's not an old deception okay it's not a what not a, oh it's not an aldous Hux huxley book is what i was saying what what's aldous huxley okay. the author of author the of yeah, the author of the book Brave New World. Okay, cool. I've never heard of him before. Oh, I, I think we had to read him. Read him in school, just like uh, Atlas Shrugged, which mm, is a okay. brand. I'm a, I thought you were it, it, you were shortening the title from Star Trek or Star Trek: The Next Generation, A Brave New World, to just A Brave New World because we already assumed that it was a Star Trek novel. Oh, which I'm, I'm sure there's a Star Trek novel called Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation or Star one of the Star Treks and then A Brave New World uh, I don't <laughs> know one I can't think of one okay. if okay. you can write one I'm, I'm with it 100% <laughs> you know, we, can, we can get this thing going create a brave new sure. world yeah so Zero uh, reminds us that the ship is a mystery and that Jamie can help us yeah uh, and then we discuss the and oh, and then we do that cut scene right to the to the uh, to Gwen's father, which mm -hmm. is where we discuss the unwanted and how they rioted and uh, how we're gonna now we're gonna now we're gonna wear them out. Did they riot at the end of the episode? I don't remember. No, yeah, riot. that's what I didn't understand either. He mentions a riot in the episode, like just now. He says that you know it's yeah. the riot over basically, and then he's like, we're gonna tire them out so they. You know, so they won't be too tired to riot anymore. So I was mm -hmm. confused about there having been a riot, but he did say that there was one. Yeah, because they indicate that this episode takes place right after they activated Janeway at the end of the first and second episode. That's one thing sure. I want to comment on. Why not just call 
the pilot, the first episode, episode one. Why does it have to be a part one, part two? They don't even cut it in half. There's no good division point yeah. where it, it, it just is an hour long one first episode. Uh, so it is my... So why is this episode three? Oh, so here's the thing. Uh, is Picard the first series where we didn't do a two-part first episode? No. Because Star Trek, just... we didn't do a two-part Oh, first yeah. Episode. I'm not counting the original. Oh, okay. In this, I probably should, but I'm not counting the original in this. But, like, Voyager did Caretaker. Uh, Deep Space Nine did The Emissary. Uh, Next Generation did, uh, I was about to say, The Best of Both Worlds. Holy cow. Encounter, Encounter Farpoint. Far Point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Discovery... Oh, Discovery didn't do a two-parter. Oh, they did do a two-parter. That's right. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they sure did. Um, but they just called it. They they did. It was two different titles in that case, but it was a very very continuing story. Huh. That's interesting. So Enterprise, uh, Enterprise, of course, did Broken Bow or Broken Bow, depending on whoever you're talking to and what region of the country you live in. <laughs> yeah. Or what region of the world you live in. I mean, the Star Trek isn't exclusive to the United States. This is very, very, very true. Um, the Vulcan Hello was a single episode. Yeah. And Battle of the Binary Stars was second. That was... Makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. So, um, it, one of the comments I want to make about uh, Encounter at Farpoint originally Roddenberry only wanted an hour-long pilot and it was the network that told him no we want a two-hour pilot sure so and he went back and added Q the... uh -huh. yep, yep I remember the story yep. I remember the story very well well just remind our younger fans that yeah no, no 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 I gotcha I understand <laughs> we, speaking of the younger fans we do a lot of learning in this episode which is cool um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, obviously this story is like showing us, it's basically teaching you Star Trek, right? So mm -hmm. uh, one thing we learned about is we learned about replicators. And yep. what's wild is that they couched this other concept in with the replicators, which makes perfect sense. Like, so we, we talk about replicators and then we mention, oh, by the way, it's a moneyless society, which yeah. replicators totally supports a moneyless society. If you can make whatever you want, why are you charging me for it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, somebody apparently, um, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen season, the first five episodes of season two of Lower Decks, apparently points out to the Frangi that exact concept. Yeah, like, I, homie, I got a replicator. I don't know. I don't know what you think you're doing <laughs> over here, trying to get money up off me, but uh, what am I going to do with money? Like, just put it on my shelf and leave it? Like there to look at. I'll put, make a bulletin board of different currency from around the galaxy. Although there are certain items when that it can't be replicated, and there certainly there, would be like some aesthetic to items pre-replicator. That I mean, I've always wondered what's going to happen to the collectability of things that are collectible. Yeah. When replicators are made. Sure. How am I going to know if a copy of um, Superman number one isn't just replicated to look old and show the wear and tear, but it's a replicated copy and not an originally published copy? Yeah. I'm very... Will that make the will that make the originally published copy worth less than it originally was with replicated technology? 
Yeah, I guess there's no real way to. Well, I don't know if you can replicate age. Well, you can because you of the breakdown of material. age. Yeah, you can't replicate age, but you can replicate the appearance of age. I mean, they do that all the time in miniatures and pictures and stuff. And uh, sure, but once you movies. carbon carbon fourteen, carbon 13, 13, 14? So once you carbon date 14. it. Hmm. Yeah, it's carbon dated. You'll be able to tell the age, but I also wonder in the age of replicators, which you know mostly are used in space a lot, uh, is there carbon fourteen? Isn't that like a, an earthbound age determination that comes from the sun? There would be a there would still be an aging way to distinguish something. Cool. Um, depending, you would have to know where the original item came from. And then be able to date it because carb the way carbon 14 works is the isotope of carbon 14 decays at a known rate sure and the actually a carbon molecule is made an isotope based on i think the number of neutrons that it has it's or one of the one of the particles that is not doesn't contribute to the uh, mass of the atom, or, or isn't measured well, as a part of the carbon. Carbon fourteen turns into nitrogen fourteen as it decays. I don't know for sure. I didn't. No, I'm, up I'm just... yeah. I'm just letting you know. It's... Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, say you have a thousand molecules, mm -hmm. or a thousand carbon fourteen atoms. Sure. Half of them will decay by a certain amount of time. Yes, you'll they be turn down into five hundred. Yep, they turn into nitrogen atoms. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so they know what that rate is. So, carbon fourteen dating should technically work. Outside well, of the solar so system. So the thing now, well, the reason carbon fourteen happens is because it's it's from a, it's a cosmic ray, right? So carbon fourteen occurs in trace amounts um, yeah. in the atmosphere. There's like one one atom per uh, ten to the twelfth atoms of carbon that you find in the atmosphere, mm -hmm. right? So like okay. it's unstable. It has a half life. The half life is like forty years. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, yeah. so half of it's gone. When half yeah. of the original material has been converted into nitrogen, that means that the object is forty years old. So, mm. the other thing about carbon fourteen is it's only accurate for a dating system up to I think twenty five thousand years or twenty two hundred fifty thousand years. So they use, uh, but they are other able to use other isotopes that they also know the decay rate of to date older things than the that that limit on car carbon fourteen. Some sense. reason yeah, they still call it carbon fourteen dating carbon, and not carbon say, fourteen um, is actually generated inside of our atmosphere. It's when cosmic rays act on the nitrogen and the atmosphere, so the nitrogen gets converted to carbon fourteen. Mm hmm. But it is, it is still capital C carbon. That's the source. So like, it doesn't like occur like in space. Oh, it doesn't occur in space. Okay. So you need an, an environment. So you would be able to do it. 
on an Earth-like environment. You need, yeah, so you need, like, an atmosphere, and you need a sun to throw radiation onto that atmosphere at a regular rate over time. A soul, yeah, a soul-like star. Yeah. So, we, uh, so we've learned about replicators, and we learned about the Moneyless Society, which is really yep. exciting because Jenkins Pod gets to eat. This man refers mm-hmm. to himself in the third person so many times that I just, <laughs> normally I would be annoyed at someone doing that. But for him, it's kind of endearing. Oh, I like it. Uh-huh. The one thing that I found hyster- hysterical about Jacob Pod is apparently Tellarites like truffles. Yeah, because they're know- pigs. Yeah. Do you know what they use to find truffles on Earth? Pigs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah pigs I mean, and maybe it's a little bit racist for the creators to do that. But- you know, I mean, Tellarites from the start have been based on pigs. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's funny that he that he that his name is Pog number one because that's like that's a little. It's a little, I'm touching my nose right now. I don't know. <laughs> this like, is are you uh, pu- pushing it up on it to make your pink no, nose no, no, no. I'm touching my nose to to indicate that you know they're a little on the nose to be calling him oh. when he's a pig. Although he's really, they're really more wild boars, but that's a pig family. Oh, you might might be making a connection with uh, changing the P to an H. And I was making a connection with the collectibles. Oh, I was changing the O to an I actually. Oh, okay. Pig pug. Yeah. I I was I was I was totally thinking of the uh, collectibles, the round collectibles in the '90s. I gotcha. I gotcha. I understand. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's time for a small station break. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's what are you apologizing for? <laughs> so we'll be right back. This is Jonathan Franks. <laughs> You're listening to Let's Talk About Treks. Now swing your leg over that chair and have a seat. <laughs> we're back on the we're back on the USS Protostar. By the way, we're talking still about Star Trek Prodigy, season one, episode two, which is called Starstruck. Yes, and we are eating because we just learned about replicators and the Moneyless Society, and we learned that Picard um, was born in uh, apparently born in the mines. I'm guessing is what it seems like. Is that the, sound? The, this particular one? Yeah, yeah, uh, because uh, apparently this is the only food she's ever had. Isn't that I mean, depressing? She was brought to the mines at a nurse. Well, possibly still attached to uh, her parent. Yeah, these uh, these names, by the way, parent. these names, by the way, are super, super on point. Uh, okay. I.e. Pog, the pig being a Pog, and uh, I don't know why I would ever forget the name Rock Talk. Oh, you're right. She does have a name. Mm-hmm. She's named after the rocks. <laughs> sure. They should call her Ben Grimm. Sure. <laughs> do that. So the next thing that happens is that Dal, 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 Dal finds his new uh, his new room. Yeah. Super excited about the, the giant room that apparently he wants to keep all to himself, which is not not selfish at all. You know. He he totally does his own uh, Zap Brannigan impressions in that room. He's so lonely. The first time we meet Zap Brannigan, and he seduces uh, Leela. Leela. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's big and lonely and miserable here. And then wow. uh, he totally breaks the fourth wall and talks directly to the camera for a second. Oh, also, so like speaking of Rock Talk, like we are, Gwen confirms for us that Rock Talk is a girl by pointedly calling her girl. Until until Rock Talk says something different 
I, I I'm gonna go with that, but there's still room for her to, you know, make a distinction and surprise us. I still want her to surprise. But that's that's fair. I thought I definitely still thought it was a little boy, but. Well, the, the voice, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the voice actor. I don't know what the voice actor identifies as. Sure. The voice is definitely prepubescent. Um, yeah. That high-pitched kind of childy voice. The The character is at least young. I'll, I'll give them that much. Yeah, 100%. Next, we have uh, uh, the bonding moment <laughs> between, of, yeah, we... between Gwyn and... and uh, in Rock Talk, which yeah. is just lovely because the <laughs> when I say bonding moment, like this is this is so like here's the thing. So like they the interaction wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't no. markedly unpleasant, and they mm -hmm. both learned about each other from it. And I think mm -hmm. that well, I think that Gwen learned about Rock Talk in that moment. Yeah, because he, Rock Talk could have just said, "I'm not bringing you any frelling food." Yeah. You know, but uh, but did not, which is which is yeah. telling of of Rock Talk herself itself yeah. herself. Yeah. Uh, we we have a new we have a new mystery in the next scene because we learned that there's apparently another system between the dual warp drive that this ship has. This ship is pretty neat. Mm -hmm. is, so do you think that? You think I, I it's a you think it's a backup warp drive, or do you think there's a warp drive for the left for the port engine and a warp drive for the starboard engine? I, I don't know what what any good that would do. Why do you need a second warp drive? I mean, two smaller warp drives. Although, really, the the energy released by an antimatter reaction doesn't require a large warp drive at all like it could yeah. be relatively like much smaller than enterprise d1 although i mean i guess if you're powering something the ridiculous size of the enterprise d yeah then that would make sense have you ever seen you've seen the uh the size comparisons of like where they have like the entire like 1014 crew members of the enterprise d like all clustered together on the whole on this on the saucer section. yeah i i saw that video yeah. to see like how how much ridiculous amounts of space they have on the enterprise which is why the, the corridors always seem like a ghost town yeah, yeah. we'll see what they were missing was the fact that all of us were there too <laughs> we were all definitely i remember i saw you there i saw you occasionally in the mess hall on the enterprise z we were all there i had a bunch of friends there you know, really yeah, upset when yeah. it crashed. It crashed, and then I graduated high school, and then like things were never the same again. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So I did notice during oh. the intro of the show, right during the opening credits, that in between the the two warp trails, one from each warp engine, that there's also a third trail in the middle, which is coming out of the back of the ship. And the back of the ship normally would be like, well, you would think that that was like a saucer, uh, like a shuttlecraft, but we already know the shuttlecraft is in the front, the, the shuttle bay rather is in the front. Mm -hmm. Well, we, I mean, if you pay, if you pay close attention, the ship does do like, do you remember the uh, Voyager? It had the flexing warp missiles. This thing does a little bit of a morph too. A, it grows a third warp missile. It does what? In the in the credits, it does do a little bit of a morph. It grows a third warp. What we are I to assume is a third warpness. Didn't I have not seen it? I'm going to have to watch it again. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to I'm go back and watch it. We could start the episode over again. 
Anyways, I'm not doing it now, though. We're doing a show right now. Yeah, okay. So, so next time you watch the credit sequence, pay a little yeah, bit closer attention. Yep. Yeah, thank you for that. You're welcome. So then we arrive at what is, I guess, the opposite of a proto star. Well, they described it as a binary star where the smaller star was feeding off of the larger star. Yes. Or the they, heavier star was feeding off says of it's the a, lighter star binary star system where the orbiting white dwarf is in the final moments of tearing apart a red giant well shortly thereafter is when uh is when uh dal sends janeway away mm -hmm. but what's weird about that is that she reactivates herself uh when well, he's about happens... to turn off the power and she pops up and she's like well just so you know no she didn't reactivate herself. She asks, do you want some guidance? Right? Uh -huh. And he's like, no, 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 no. I know what you're trying to do. And he deactivates her. Um. And then we see them like falling into the red, the fire ocean. Right? And then she pops back up and she talks about some things and then she's also like, oh, by the way, if you deactivate, then it will. And then she disappears. Yeah, but he had already actually like deactivated her. But she came back to be like, "Uh, just so you know, <laughs> you guys are fracking up," <laughs> which he continues to do. He continues, and then he drops. This was devastating and heartbreaking. Okay, he dropped all of their stuff into a star. Yeah, that was really heartless of him. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It, and then why did you? Why did they eject all of this? Is this is going to come back and bite them in the ass. A hundred percent. All of their escape pods. They have nothing. Now, have thankfully, nothing. they have a vehicle they have, replicator. They did show us that. Yeah, they uh, have. They have nothing. I mean, th this ship probably has some stores of stuff that is consumable that you keep just in case the replicators break down or you. Not anymore, uh, my friend. Or an air air pump? Yeah, not anymore. There this is ship nothing. doesn't. There evidently is. There is nothing. nothing aboard that wasn't bolted down. Apparently. Yes. Yes. Including escape pods. Uh, so if escape the pods are yeah, if the warp down. core is about, but here's the thing. The warp core is not Shouldn't bolted they down. Be bolted down? Yeah. Yeah, it is. The warp core is no, definitely bolted down. Because yeah, they can yeah. eject a warp core. Oh, shuns eleven. <laughs> that is 100% true I take it back the warp core is no more bolted down than the other thing I was just saying the escape pods the escape pods yeah, are, yeah. Are, well so uh, maybe these warp cores aren't ejectable in which case the escape pods would really be helpful well yeah uh, and to be honest but you know the warp cores warp breaching... have never really done any good in the past they're always breaches faster than they can inject. And I, they did a really good job on Discovery with that warp core. They dropped <laughs> that warp core into a cyber ship and they warped out of there and her ship blew up. That was that was exactly like that's exactly how you want it to work. Usually it doesn't usually it doesn't work well, or something like that. There were a couple weapon. times where Voyager rejected their warp core. Yeah, I, I remember. And, and I don't now, know how they got a warp core back, but Yeah, now we're stuck trogging through the galaxy on impulse power. Isn't that great? We learn about this new device that I created well over a decade ago, like maybe 20 years ago, which is called a vehicle replicator. No, I did. So we had this, I had this, uh, the Starship Lagrange was this like mm -hmm. 
defiant class ship that was assigned to Starbase 416 in the Kabith mm-hmm. section. The Kabithians had like joined. It was a it was a it was a sim based on the ideas of Deep Space Nine without it being Deep Space Nine, so we didn't have to like trample mm-hmm. over characters and stuff. And they had their own government on their planet. And we had a starbase that Starfleet was administering. It was actually, but it was actually we were helping fend off their you know sort of like their the, our version of Cardassians for them right so we yeah. built a star base there and we built the star base by gathering 16 galaxy class ships and we used the we linked the replicators to the transporters and we beamed the star base into place cool um so that is that is that's that was the the precursor I'm going to have for my headcanon forever to the vehicle replicator I just did that well <laughs> I, I, I think what they did is canonized a vehicle replicator. I think that it's been hypothesized that, say, the Voyager had a vehicle replicator. Because that's why they never ran out of shuttle crash. And yeah. Even though they lost more of the shuttles than they actually originally had. I think they... that makes sense. I think that that's a brilliant <laughs> thing. Wow, Voyager and they, they Earl Grey ad- fixed a thing. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of admitted that she, vehicle replicator. Because they, they've talked about... Um, industrial replicators yes they do yes they do on do space nine many times they bring and, they bring industrial replicators to bajor a lot mm-hmm. yeah and implied in that state in that phrase is the idea that you could use it to replicate larger Big items things. even even vehicles sure it, speci- it doesn't even need to be a specific vehicle replicator it could just be a larger scale replicator. Ooh, i wonder if you could make a vehicle replicator that could, it's going to make like a biodegradable vehicle and then we could just leave it wherever you are. Wherever, wherever you are. <laughs> leave Beam it back wherever up. you are. Yeah, Starleaf. <laughs> Made out of leaves. We are Starleaf. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you leave technology behind because it biodegrades and it's gone. <laughs> what I found helpful about the vehicle replicator is that it gave us the opportunity to get a schematic of the ship. It was very brief, but at least we saw exactly where the shuttle bay is, which is indeed the area where they entered the ship in the first two couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the VR is inside the shuttle bay, which is at that little front section of the ship that used to be the place where we keep our uh, deflector dish. But apparently uh, the deflector dish is like a little higher and way more streamlined. Yeah, it's no it's longer a dish. a dish. Yeah, yeah. actually, speaking of which, it's a deflector strip, which is cool. I can dig that. So then we have yet another teary and heartfelt uh, Gwyn and Rock Talk moment mm-hmm. where they're bonding and they almost become bound up inside of a vehicle replicator as it's replicating a shuttle. This is their their moments of bonding are very well. Fraught. Well, Rock certainly does not embedded in the materials, but she is. It replicates around her, and yes. that's why she has to break out of it. So this is in this order is to what get I, back to Glenn. Yeah, this is what I thought was cool about that scene was like the replicator was replicating around them, and like it just basically built the whole ship all around them. That was pretty cool, yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so, so Gwen does this, this, uh, this uh, turn off the gravity. Yeah, by divining what the functions of a blank keyboard are. <laughs> you know, like father, like daughter. Like apparently, she's also a diviner because she can just figure out a completely blank keyboard from a from a ship she's never been on and a species and language that she's never seen. That's cool. I mean, they're not translator microbes. No. Um, however, she they did indicate last episode that she does know a large number of languages because she was showing all those 
universal languages to the occasion. So does she know blank? (laughs) Because that's what all the keys were. Oh, maybe it's Braille. Maybe it's in Braille. Hmm. You know what it also could be? What is that? Is the camera just wasn't focused enough on this? Come on, Gene. Come on, Gene Runway. (laughs) You're not going to give me that one. From that angle on that distance. Okay, Gene. All right, it's the same ship and Discovery as was in the original series. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so what's funny is that uh, Dell, I mean, it's a line. It's a line. It's 100% a line that is okay. like, like bang you, bust you over the head meant to mean something beyond the moment, like in the greater context. And what he says is, how do I get my feet on the ground? Right? Well, and I, she's I, like, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> Like, sure, I I get it now, but I, it didn't occur to me when they were in the moment. But. Really? That's so. That's wild. Yeah, it's like how do I how do I get myself the f together and stop being such a selfish rogue? Like, you know, well, you 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 have to stop trying just to force everybody to do what you want to do. Admit that you're not in control of the situation, and maybe Gwen is a better leader once she decide, oh. realizes that you guys aren't all fugitives. Oh, wait, and criminals. Are we talking about Michael Burnham or Dal RL? Because she too <laughs> seems to have a difficulty in just doing what she wants instead of getting like consensus among the crew and deciding what everybody wants to do. I mean. I should say, had she had this issue before, but she's growing up just like Dell. I, I have a quick question. Yeah. Speaking of Gwen, did her father steal uh, Shazan's costume? I, her father stole so many things. <laughs> Shazan's costume may be one of them. It's very, very similar. Uh, I think he's a little less shouldery. Maybe, maybe not. They, they, they broke off in, that, in storage. That's probably it. Well, I mean, when you buy when you buy original non-replicated stuff, that's the kind of thing that happens. Like you just gotta you gotta kind of like roll with the punches because carbon fourteen breaks down into nitrogen, you know. So you're not gonna have a bunch of same carbon and after you know six years is about how long it's been since the Romulan incursion. So I think it's close. Are probably fine stuff. So. Yeah, who knows. Uh, something interesting that Janeway says when you know eventually Dal's like okay mom can you help me out please she says to stabilize the internal dampeners in order to reinitialize the artificial gravity why I didn't know that they were related although they would have to be wouldn't they yeah because but they didn't stabilize the inertial dampeners because when they took off they were being pressed back into their seats and his cheeks were flapping like in the wind so so stabilize them doesn't mean to like make sure that they work really well it just means (laughs) like to make sure that they work the same so like well enough so that you don't get splatted against the back wall like it's it's stable it's not you know walking out of the hospital it's not critical (laughs) it's stable you know let it rest a little while which they didn't do because they decided to ride a river of fire (laughs) and how did they survive that they it's so they they pulled a uh they pulled a they pulled a voyage home moment and they did that slingshot around the sun only you know a different sun maybe they actually have those uh 
the shields from the one next generation episode with the Ferengi invented shields. Yeah, so I wondered about this too. I actually wondered, do they have Beverly Crusher's shuttle shields with them? Because maybe that's how how they can go so close because those shields worked. Like we for sure those shields worked. So like I'm sure that they got incorporated to future future versions, which is great because it gives us the uh, episode Star Trek. So the River of Fire, as we're moving through it, is a great thing about it, is that we get this great, like, draw. You know, I love those come from far away and zoom all the way into the ship scenes. So we get one of those, okay. and we come into the front. And as we're coming through the front, you get a great shot of what the scale of the bridge is in relation mm-hmm. to the characters. And thereby, you also get a shot, uh, uh, you get a, a sense of how big the bridge is in comparison to the rest of the ship. And we, I think we get a... A better, a better, more refined idea of how many decks the ship has, and I'm going to go around seven. Okay. If we look at how big the bridge is, and it also means the lights that are around there are not the lights around the saucer section that would normally be windows. I don't think they're windows because um. the windows are much smaller than like the height of the bridge. So like, and all the windows aren't tiny. And mm-hmm. where are his quarters? Because his quarters should have a big old window too. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. It's wibbly wobbly trekkie flimey. Yeah, sure. So Janeway gives a speech. Dal finally joins the class because everybody else has been like, yeah, let's let's all learn something today. And then he's just been the whole time, shut up, Janeway, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. So now he finally joins the class. He's like, okay, we're going to do it. She's like, yep, we're going to do it. And that should be the end of the episode. But Marvel Comics decided to misplace the post-credits scene this time. And they uh-huh. put it before the credits. They made it a pre-credits scene because definitely the time... Well, I mean, if kid, if they if if they know that kids aren't going to watch credits, they got to oh. A post-credit scene, pre-credit. Okay, so now we've talked all the way back into. You're correct. Plus, Kids aren't watching the credits. If they, <laughs> they also know that they're only on Paramount Plus right now, or they're starting on Paramount Plus. So if they put a post-credit scene in, you have to tell Paramount Plus, okay, don't do the shrinky dinky thing oh, and shrink right, down the screen right, right, right. until after the post-credit scene. Uh, okay, I gotcha. Or bring the scene back oh. up. For the interesting, post-credits. super interesting. Plus, they tried to do a post-credit scene in Discovery, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. It didn't work one bit. Like it because I mean, it's because of the content. The content was for an entirely different Star Trek series mm-hmm. called Placeholder Section Thirty One. Like <laughs> it wasn't really a moment of discovery. <laughs> So, uh, if it's a river of fire, are they riding the river of sticks? It's the river of sticks, yeah. No, they're riding a river on sticks. No, they're riding the river of sticks. On sticks. On sticks? Okay. On Popsicle warp sticks. sticks. <laughs> oh, okay. Warp sticks. Um. Warp sticks engage. <laughs> I hope we haven't reached the fumble moment of the episode already, because I've... We've barely heard from you. You want to speak up in class today? <laughs> Maybe they should call the title uh, Star Trek Progeny instead. I know. Like, I'm very confused. 
as a why it's called prodigy when he keeps saying progeny every episode no one says yeah. prodigy at all and yeah. then the These ship guys is the protostar you know so there's something i was wondering about janeway certainly has to be able to tell i mean cadets have uniforms She's like, oh yeah, you guys don't have uniforms. You must be cadets. No, I'm sorry, cadets have uniforms. Oh uh, yeah, they sure do. I they didn't quite sure. understand why she was going through that either. Like, yeah, we give them uniforms, and like, we're not just like gonna pretend like they're, they're oh they they aren't. No, we give them. And she m- might not have any connection to the uh, the sensors because otherwise, she definitely should have known that they were not in Federation space. I mean, she could have looked, you know, like Riker did on the first episode of Star Trek Next Generation. She could have looked at last episode, you yeah. know, and watched watched the, the last episode. <laughs> they have those systems in 2363, so I'm sure they have them in 2383. Wow, it's only yeah. been 20 years since. You did say 2383, right? We, we yeah, we, we, yeah. So it's exactly 20 years after the, uh, next, the, the beginning of the next generation. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Hmm. How did it take us thirty years to get there? <laughs> uh, I, because we had a twelve-year break. Let's not forget. Uh, okay. That was that's the problem. If we had, we had started this long ago, someone on Twitter mentioned earlier today, and it, I haven't counted, but I'm sure it's accurate. They said that there are now over eight hundred episodes of Star Trek. Okay, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's great. I think that's yeah. great. We only need like two hundred more. Speaking of numbers, what is that number? Yeah, the integrity on Mars, the little helicopter on Mars, has yes. made its fifty. It has far succeeded its mission. It has oh, right. made its fifteenth flight the other day. Fifteenth flight. Do we have yes. any good pictures? We could link pictures to uh, space.com's YouTube channel. Hey, that sounds great. Okay. Just, um, uh, I'm sure we'll get the producer to put it in there. I, Just send him a link. I'm sure that's what he said. He said send him a link and you'll put it in there. You know, you could do that by sending an email to his email address, which is email at letstalkabouttracks.com, which is exactly where our listeners can send us mail. You yeah. can send us questions. You can send us comments. You can tell us stop doing this show because we're terrible. <laughs> Whatever you want to tell us, you can send yeah, us an yeah, email. Yeah. yeah. Email at letstalkabouttracks.com. <laughs> See if you can say it without me giggling so that they can actually hear what you're saying. Email at let's talk about boobs.com. I probably should take that part out. <laughs> I'm gonna try to lean I'm gonna try to lean the prodigy episodes towards like kids, so I don't wanna like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the boobs out. Okay, well let's talk about eight zero zero eight five dot com. <laughs> Uh, all right so um <laughs> thank you for uh science corner for the day earl that was great there was another oh the uh the crew the crew dragon 2 returned they splashed down successfully last night congratulations well, last night as of the recording of this episode yes um today is the 9th of november 2021 or 2021 whichever and, one and yep Depending on whether you live on Earth 2 or Earth 1. Hopefully we'll have this episode dropped for you by the release of evidently episode 4. We're skipping episode 2 entirely. (laughs) So there was a very sad part of this episode. What was the sad part of the episode? Murph ate a hologram and he went sad and he got cried because the hologram wasn't real. His face was just so heartbreaking. 
I too am sad about that. <laughs> no, but it was very cute and very sad because Murph was sad. We didn't really get much of Murph this episode, so I'm disappointed well, that most of it was sad. We had a little drop, a little drippy drop, and then yeah, but I guess Murph gave birth. I think Murph just pooped. <laughs> How did well? There are plenty of animals that exactly. only does have he have a, a mouth. One one entrance and then one exit. I feel like he just has the representation of a mouth. I don't think he has an actual (laughs) mouth. I think it's just like he pops on a mouth when he needs a mouth. (laughs) Well, he seems to have a top and a bottom and everything. It appears that way. Well, and they were. So, one thing that Murph did that was smart that nobody else did was they were saying, oh, I think he's trying to eat the chair. No, Murph has no hands. He was holding on to the chair. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, like, once again, here we are. Murph is a smart guy. He's yeah. way smarter than anybody's going to oh. think he's. Murph is the prodigy. I, that could be the case. I 100% believe that's possible. Maybe we'll find oh, out yeah. on the next so episode of Star Trek Prodigy, which is called Dreamcatcher. It's released Dreamcatcher. on my birthday. Isn't that going to be cool? <gasps> oh, happy birthday. And it's all, it also happens to be released on Veterans, Veterans Day. Day. Yes. 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 And your buddy Jack Dorino, also a veteran. So it's doubly my day. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Yeah. So guys, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. And we okay. hope you'll talk to us in the meantime as well. Yeah, please leave us some likes and comments and shares and all the things. Do all the things. And this is the part where Earl says his thing. All right, fans. Dream positive. Stay big. Stay positive. Dream big. Or or the other way. You could do either way. (laughs) You'll hear from us again soon. Stay big. AMF. Thank you. (laughs) Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.